How are we going, mates? Welcome back to the Top Step. My name is Ryan Roland-Smith. Big happy new year. We're about to be joined by Grant Balfour, and we have an amazing guest. I can't wait to talk to JP Morosi. You can catch him on MLB Network. He's on Fox Sports. He's all over the place. If you're not following JP or you Aussies out there, get on Twitter or Instagram and follow JP Morosi for all your MLB insights. He knows this guy. Everyone knows this guy. Everyone loves him. He's one of the biggest insiders. And he's also been on the show back last year as well. So excited to talk to him. Uh, make sure you click subscribe. We do have some amazing guests coming up. Chris Woodward's joining us the next week, the manager of the, the Texas Rangers. Can't wait to talk to him about all the big moves that the Rangers are making and, and his story, how he got to where he's at. Tyler Matstick is coming on after him the next week. So we have got such a good lineup coming up uh, as we head into spring training, hopefully after this lockout. So let's get right to it. It's a new year. Enjoy this episode as Grant Balfour and JP Morosi. Join me right here on the top step. No matter what happens, Ryan Roland Smith has something to tell his grandkids right here. First appearance of the big leagues. <laughs> Face the Hall of Famer. <laughs> Especially if he strikes them out. Here comes the one-two pitch to Junior now. The breaking ball. He struck him out. Yeah, that will be a story for the rest of his life. <laughs> as he strikes out Ken Griffey Jr. And the inning is over. But what an inning it was. As six. Victor Martinez and Grant Balfour join and benches have cleared. My goodness. This this is Grant Balfour being Grant Balfour. Yeah. He he is, as you mentioned, Jim, he's amped up and he talks a lot. It's not personalized, but he talks a lot. In fact, he has the demeanor of a guy that wants to fight him. You'll never say that I'm not killing them. Kill, kill, killing them. Killing them. Kill, kill, killing them. Grant, welcome back, champion. Happy New Year, buddy. Yeah, Happy New Year, mate. 2022, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. <laughs> had a great New Year's. Got right the, the way that rhymes there, mate. Yeah, I like, I like it, mate. I got, the, uh, I got the sparklers out, you know, running around the backyard with the kiddos. Oh, mate, I, I took a drive over to uh, out of the county just so I could get the big fireworks. Oh, so you so that that's how that's how it is where you're at, is it? Like where you yeah, certain you're... counties, I'll, I'll, I'll do the little <laughs> the little ones that shoot up about you know six feet in the air, and then you can go across the county get the and get boys. the big get the big boys, and they just oh yeah, they boom, mate. You light, like, up, light up the sky. That's like when you're in Sydney, you drive down to Canberra to get all the illegal stuff. You know, yeah, all, all the all the fireworks. Yeah, yeah the Queen Vienna. <laughs> <laughs> that was me, mate. Last minute. Yeah, I got a this guy got a, got a bunch of them. They had about fifty but uh what was it? I think we had about 36, 40 shots go off. This big ones. Nice. <laughs> big well, we have, we have a great show today. Um joining us in a second is John Paul Morosi, JP Morosi, John Morosi, however you want to say his name. He's one of the Biggest insiders in Major League Baseball. He's such a good dude. Grant, I got a chance. I work with JP um, over in Japan when we're doing the Olympic qualifiers. And yeah. this is a guy who he knows everyone in the game. He knows he has a million different sources. You know how you always see these insiders, you know, Rosenthal, Buster Only, um, yeah. JP, whoever else. They're like, oh, sources say he's a legit. Everyone loves him. So he can text anyone in the game and they get yeah. right back to him. He's just he's just that dude. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited. He's going to join us here pretty soon. So we're, we're going to make this word of the day pretty quick before JP jumps on. I don't want to keep him waiting. He's extremely busy. I want to get to the lockout with him. If there's one 
person who can talk us through this lockout, what exactly is going on, when's it going to end, what's going to happen at the end of it. It's, it's JP Morosi, so I'm excited to have him. But before we get into it, it's a brand new year. All right. We have word of the day. Now, this is one of my favorites because over Christmas, when you can't get a hold of someone, you always heard this term. The word of the day, mate, is no dramas. Nah, mate. No dramas. <laughs> no dramas, mate. No dramas at all. Uh, I, so basically, oh, I, love I love it. Basically, it was, uh, it's, it's like, it's kind of like no worries, but it's even a more Australian version of saying, hey, mate, hey, hey basically, yeah, there's it, no issue here. There's, there's no, there's no yeah, drama, basically, right? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Someone might be a little concerned about the fact that they're running late or or whatever. I'm not going to be able to make it. He's like, yeah, mate, no dramas. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate, it was it was bumping a bumper traffic. Yeah, yeah, no dramas. You good? Yeah, yeah, yeah mate. Yeah, so I got that over Christmas. No I was, issues. By, by the way, on Christmas Day, I was sick as a dog. I didn't have COVID. I was just I had food poisoning oh. coming off a three day road trip. Bad turkey, I, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it was before that. It was so yeah, funny. Ham. We, oh, that's the ham on Christmas Day. We had, yeah, we did the ham. I, I was out, mate. I, I was done by four o'clock in the Arvo. I, it was. Yes. We did a three-day road trip. The family and I drove yeah. from Seattle all the way to Arizona. Thought it'd be fun. It was fun. It was good. The kids were awesome. They're loving it. Drove Thought through Vegas. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Thought it would be fun. <laughs> oh, I like your thoughts of fun, mate. Yeah, Twenty hours fun. in the car, going for a drive. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, kids, get in the car. We're going for a drive. Twenty yeah, hours in. later in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was Dad's road rage trying to get over these mountain passes through thick snow and just blowing up. Like, uh, you know, kids. How was it actually? You used to get a bit of snow through Arizona. There, it was Mate, pretty pretty. It's probably dude, really pretty. It was, so we went the, the 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 way out there. We went over over the Cascade Mountains. All right, someone's yeah. probably shaking their head because I've probably got this wrong. In yeah. through into Idaho, we went to this place called Dead Man's Pass. Now, right. Amanda, I grew up in Australia, right? And I want to, JP's actually from a really cold climate. I want to talk to him. He's 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 in Michigan right now. I'm yeah. not used to driving on snow, but I act like yeah. or ice. I'm I act like I am. So yeah, we're yeah. driving. We got the four B. <laughs> driving. Well, sure, sure enough, it starts. It's raining. Turns to snow. And I said, yeah. Oh, we might be in all sorts here because we're hitting yeah. this this mountain going up. All of a sudden, the sun goes down over. Oh. It's hammering snow. I'm driving on white just like this out the front. Yeah. I got yeah, the kids in the back saying, oh, can you put on a story or so? Can you put on a... <laughs> I'm like, not we're listening to dad's music. Getting through this mountain pass. It was it was pretty hairy, dude. But we got through yeah. there, went through Vegas, and then uh, and then on to Arizona. It was fun. Then we drove on the way back. But anyway, we, we all got food poisoning. My little man, my three-year-old, he was the first to get it. What do you think? You, I mean, what do you think you ate, mate? What do you think uh, you just, ate? just, just some bad buffet at Vegas, mate. I think. I don't, <laughs> 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 I, I don't know. I, I have no, the prawns, mate. Maybe some yeah. bad prawns or something. Yeah, some bad prawns at the uh, at, at the cast. Now I um, my I was a mess on Christmas Day, but anyway, it, it was all good. But then we had New Year's and the whole thing. But uh, all right, so we're we're into a new year, twenty twenty two. Still have this lockout. JP yeah. is in the. World famous top step waiting room right now, eating jats, cabin Aussie, waiting to come in. So let's let him in. Let let's talk it through with this. this Even had uh, a little fruitcake in there for Christmas, mate. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, fruitcake, <laughs> maybe a little pavlova. There you go. Yeah, that's it, mate. <laughs> All right, let, let, let's let JP. I don't want to keep him waiting. He's a, he's a busy man. Let's bring him in. Let's talk over this lockout. You you, you good to go? Right, mate. Bring him right, in. 
JP, welcome to the show, buddy. Now, b- b- real quick, before we got on, we had some technical issues. I, w- I just want to say publicly here, I appreciate you sticking around. I know you're a busy man, dude. So I, <laughs> I appreciate you sticking around, waiting for us to figure Thanks, this man. out. Hey, my, my pleasure, guys. It's a pleasure to be with you. And I'll say this, you know, today I, I might have to apologize at some point in time as the conversation goes along because we are doing virtual school here in Michigan this week. So I might be joined by any one of my, my three daughters as my three co-hosts here uh, joining the program. So we'll say that apology for the end, but I do have some great news to report uh, that, that I, I did test out the, the pond in our neighborhood. And the ice is now thick enough for pond hockey with my kids. There you so go. That, so my, my mood cannot be diminished. I am. This is one of my happiest days of the winter. It has now been cold enough for long enough that we can skate here in the neighborhood. Al fresco outdoors. I love it. How, how do you awesome. like, what's the criteria there with the pond? Like, because it's, there's got to be like an element of danger. If someone, if some kid rocks up, goes, oh yeah, walks on it, like takes a couple steps and says, yeah, it's good to go. Grab the skates but it's not frozen all the way through. Like, how do you know? I mean, does someone have to come and give the thumbs up for that? So that's a great question. My my wife, who is a physician, would would want to test this very scientifically for days and have like a a lot of charts and graphs and calculus involved. I'm a little bit more subjective when it comes to this. She asked me, in fact, today, I said, Alexis, I think we've got plenty of ice here to be able to skate on. She said, are you sure? Do you have to test it? I said, no, I, I just know there, there's a famous yeah. scene in in the Mighty Ducks, the American classic, oh, yeah. of course, where, where the, Emilio Westeff is his character, Gordon Bombay. He actually drives his limousine out onto That's the right. pond where the team is practicing. And, and Charlie's mom says, what are you doing? How do you know it's safe? And he says, I just know. And so in yeah. this case, very unscientifically, I just know. Now, scientifically, I would say you probably have to have a week of of very very cold freezing temperatures if you're getting down to the into the low teens around 10 at nighttime for probably five six seven days in a row this is my very subjective measure you're probably okay but again one should test it with a trained professional uh this is a prevent parental advisory you got to test it you should (laughs) do the full depth and inches and feet to make sure uh but I, i would say we have measured it it's been cold enough long enough a week of freezing cold temperatures that are well below 32 Fahrenheit, you're usually okay. But again, uh, th- this this uh, this should not be uh, taken as gospel, and one must go with the local conditions. Trained experts. I have to make sure we cover our bases there. <laughs> hey, um, you did reference an absolute classic movie, which was massive in Australia too. You're talking about pond hockey, frozen lakes, which is so foreign to anywhere in Australia. Like you just don't get that cold in Australia. But yeah. that movie, man, like I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. I think my kids are old enough. My, my daughter's six. I'm going to make sure. Dude, what, a, what an amazing movie. The, the Mighty Ducks. I forgot about that. Great. Great movie. And also, I would say, I think the first time that my kids watched it, they were, I think the oldest was probably six. So I would say perfect time, age appropriate, uh, great stories, great characters. And I think great, great sports lessons about the pressure we sometimes put on ourselves and 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 just loving the game and finding our way back to it. I think that's all pretty cool. So no, it's, it's a great movie. There's, of course, Mighty Ducks 2 where they go play the vaunted Iceland team. That's right. Who knew Who knew Iceland was a hockey power? But it was sort of a natural thing from a Disney perspective that you would have 
Iceland there as, as the power. But uh, since, since you mentioned global sports, and you both know I'm a big global sports fan, oh, yeah. I got to mention this. And Grant and Ryan, this is new news from me to you guys. I have great respect for Australian sports. So much so that I have my own favorite team in the NBL. The uh, Perth, the Perth Wildcats are my favorite <laughs> Australian basketball team. And I will tell you why. Their general manager, a great man by the name of Danny Mills, is he used to play uh, basketball in Australia, actually played in Europe as well. He's a great friend of mine, lived for many years here in Michigan while scouting for the Philadelphia 76ers. And then within the last year, got his job back uh, in his hometown of Perth, Perth Wildcats. So, so we like we had breakfast a few months ago right before he left. And so, guys, I now have my, my, my very good friend is now the GM of this team. And so I am entirely biased. I try to be a very impartial observer on all sports, except my beloved Perth Wildcats of the NBA. <laughs> yeah, Grant, no, it's, it's funny, JP, because I know that connection. You've told me about Danny Mills and, and we've sort of dived into it and, and some of the, the connections he has in the U.S. and talking about. You know, those we call them tier three sports in Australia. Baseball is a tier three sport, and, and basketball essentially is too. Basketball is way bigger in Australia. Like, just because, you know, obviously in the 90s, obviously with Michael Jordan and, and um, collecting cards was a big deal and everything else. But basketball, man, is, is just taking off. It's, it's funny. But I will say this, and Grant can back me up on this anything on the west coast of Australia. Hey, JP, have you been to Australia? Yeah, I still have not. I need oh, to go guy. there in the next few years. That is high on my list. Hey, well, anything like, so we're both from the East coast, but anything on the West coast and we've actually gotten some feedback from people on the way. We, we, we do rip on the West coast quite a bit. Don't we Grant? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we do. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that you, you fly into the, you know, to Australia and you've been on the plane for 16 hours by the time, you know, especially for me being on the East coast of, um, of the states here it takes forever to get there so the last thing you want to do is jump on another plane for five hours five and a half hours and go to the (laughs) west coast so a lot of times we talk you know geographically we talk about the east coast you know queensland melbourne basically when we stop about there i want anything past the blue mountains in in sydney which is only two hours inland we don't really mention uh too much but um it gets it gets pushed to the side side. we've had people listening say hey man like he's up on the west coast so anything and by the way liam Hendricks, he's from perth as well so we've had him on the show and just he's like defended the west coast so i'm I'm glad jp have come on and, and given us some some uh some love for perth but hey i do want to i do want to jump into this now, obviously, we've talked about hockey, and, and you cover hockey a lot. I do want to talk about the, the, the strike that the NHL had a couple of years back. But this lockout, man, I mean, this I've been waiting a long time to talk to you about this because people ask me all the time about the lockout. And I feel like it's kind of, kind of gone from this phase of, oh, yep, it's, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. It did happen, having the lockout, everything else. But now we're moving into January. It's a new year, and we're, like, literally getting into that crunch time of being so close to spring training the the biggest concern i have and the biggest thing i want to talk to you about is this going to affect 162 games of baseball in your opinion i really believe that it won't ryan i'm confident that it won't we obviously have uh, another month plus before that would really become a present concern i i know that it it is unsettling we all want to have plans we all want to have a, a cba we, we want to see the rest of the free agents sign there's a lot of quality yeah. free agents who would have thought that here we are January 5th, Freddie Freeman is still a free agent. 
hasn't signed yet and is yeah. still not an Atlanta Brave. These, these are surprising circumstances to say the very least. But I, I also think that the next pressure point, once once December one passed without a deal, the, the reality is the next pressure point for both sides is around the middle of February when when camps would open, when players would be there working with uh, their trainers, their medical staff, their coaches to get ready for the season and where you'd have to have everybody in place for the spring training games to start on time. And as you both know, we, we when you're in a work stoppage scenario, which no one obviously wanted to have, it's been something we've been afraid of for a long time. Uh, the, the question is, at what point in time do you start losing revenue? And then you sort of backdate the urgency from there. And revenue would be lost if you don't play spring training games, because you typically have obviously very strong crowds in spring training, probably even stronger this year than you would have had last year, because hopefully we'll be in a better spot with respect to COVID in, in two months time. So I, I do think to make sure that you are able to have your games as scheduled in March, you need to start having this agreement uh, hammered out by the middle part of February. I believe we'll get there. I really do. Um, but there's no question, Ryan, that the anxiety that you're speaking about is felt by executives, players, people like us who love the game and talk about it, fans. We all want an agreement. I just think that the the urgency to make that deal is still probably a few weeks away. Yeah, okay. I just, again, I just feel like once you get to like that beginning of February, I know obviously February 15th when everyone, everyone reports, all of a sudden now you're just days away from spring training. It's like you can't just... So, all right, yeah, we signed off, sweet. Okay, now this is what we're doing. You know, you know what I'm saying? That's that's the thing that, that really gets me if we're still, you know. It's a, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not just affecting the players. And, and you got to think about the, the, the little people too, the, all the employees, people that rely on these jobs. And oh, yeah. and, and they, they might be affected more so than, than anyone. I mean, obviously, we all know that the players would not be being paid the amount of money that they'd normally be paid, but they do have reserves there to sort of get them through. Yeah. And that's kind of what they rely on as a small salary. And, and you know, obviously we know most of these players, the, the bigger part of these players don't really need the money. They can afford to sit out. But um, you got to think about the other people too, or the thousands of employees that are going to be hurting that aren't going to yeah. be, that are going to be affected. Um, I know they're not, they might not be seen as the big picture, but you start to think about people like that and feel oh, for yeah. those people, you know? That's a great point, Grant. And, and as you both know better than me, when you are a pitcher, especially, and you're you're the calendar is now flipped. I think you both know what it's like when when your body is telling you, okay, we got about a month or so before spring yeah. training starts. What's yeah. my plan? What's my program? What role am I going to have entering spring training? As you both know, in a lockout scenario, those conversations can't even happen. There, yeah. There's not right. even that that open channel of communication whether it's uh, recovering from off-season surgery, maybe you had an innings limit the previous year, maybe your role is going to change starter to reliever, uh, whether it's, it comes down to mental health support, performance support, uh, all of those dynamics that go into being a high-level athlete, as both of you know, uh, are right now that channel of communication is closed. And that's, that's troublesome. So I, I do think that while, while the revenues are obviously on some level, what this is about the, to your point, Grant, there are a lot of really human considerations here. And I think that everybody in the sport, when you take a step back, we all want this game to be as strong as it can be for the players, for the fans. 
beginning with the start of spring training. And I think to your point for, for the players to feel comfortable and ready to go and having a good spring training under them, they, they have to be able to start to have access to the team facilities to get yeah, ready to be, to be with their athletic trainers. As you both know, and Grant, you lived it for such a long time. That's especially for a veteran player. When you think about how long you pitched every yeah. successive year in your career, right? Grant, it becomes more and yeah. more important to be in that facility. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess, I guess all these facilities are, are going to be loving it. You know, these places out in Arizona or Florida here, all these high performance facilities are going to have players around, mm-hmm. You know, and keep them around a little longer. I don't know, but uh, that's that's where guys have to go to. You know, I mean, they're, they're going to extend that. That, that. That's a good point you're talking about because there's always these third party facilities that players were going to. Then all of a sudden, the the organization was like, "Oh no, no, hey, we can facilitate that here." So all of us, there was a big last you know couple off seasons. There was so many players at different levels going because now all of a sudden they have access to the facilities and Grant and I have spoke to guys like, Hey, we can't access that. And, and it's, it's a legitimate thing. People ask me all the time, is it just this thing? Well, it's a lockout. You're not allowed to talk to the team. And I, I spoke to right before Christmas an executive here with the Mariners, I spoke to him and said, Hey, is it legitimate where you, you personally can't talk to the, he goes, it is 100%. That's the way it goes. You cannot, no one's talking to anyone. And it's just this complete disconnect for however long this, this thing lasts. It's just that that's the part. And and you bring up so many points, JP is all these things getting so close to days away. Is there any kind of like discussion of like a contingency plan, whether it be a shortened spring training or delaying the season or anything like that? Because again, I just think that if this rolls out, it's not like they're just going to rush into something. If you get into February, right. Right. I'm sure that that the parties have done some internal work on uh, what those contingencies could look like. I I do think they're still planning on at least opening day Mm -hmm. and and the 162 having integrity there. If you have to trim some spring training games, you can certainly do that if you have to. But I I think that to your point, Ryan, there's there are a lot of moving parts. And Grant alluded to this, too, whether it's your your game day staffs, your employees at the ballpark, sponsorships events that you want to have during the course of the year or spring training, all of these things need to have agreements. If you're going to have a sponsor of something at the ballpark, a sponsored event during the course of the year, all these popular bobblehead nights, there's always a sponsor there. And and, and to know that you're going to play these games to be able to give out the giveaway to bring the fans to the ballpark, you have to have a a date certain that you know, when, when that event's going to happen. And certainly all three of us are really passionate about, international baseball and and we want uh, to see baseball keep growing and keep playing games internationally but to be able to plan on going back to mexico which is what baseball wanted to do in 2020 before the pandemic hit you have to have plans in place you have to figure out what are your likely testing protocols going to be if they're still in place with respect to covid all these other issues all-star games draft scheduling also you want to make sure that you end this season on time at the end of October, because we hope we all hope. And again, this is nothing. It's just been reported on and and talked about. We hope there could be a WBC in 14 months, but 14 months is a very short amount of time to plan a massive tournament that involves 16 or 20 different countries. And, and to be able to plan that you've got to have a little bit more certainty. So I, I think there are just, there are a lot of really special things that can happen in terms of growing the game, but we can't do that unless there's a CBA. 
Yeah. Speaking of that, JP, I mean, you hear this, this is going to be detrimental to baseball and everything else. You know, having this like, I want to go back now. You cover the NHL pretty heavily. Now they've had their issues, the players and the, and the owners. And the most recently it was 2012, right? 2013 mm-hmm. was when they had after that, like that's more recent, obviously baseball in 1994, but that's a completely different era of everything, whether it be, you know, like what, you know, fans have available. They, now they got two thousand different TV channels and you know social media. It's just a completely different landscape. More recently, the NHL, when they came out of that, how detrimental was that, or was it? Was there any positives that came from that? You know, Ryan, it's a great question. It was obviously a long time ago. Now it feels, uh, I guess, yeah. what, what was it now? Almost, almost a decade, as you point out. I think one of the most important things that came out of that. Uh, I'll say two or three things that really stick out to me. Number one is since then, the communication and the openness between the commissioner's office and the players has been very strong. I go back and and there was a really important moment in 2020. The pandemic hit, obviously, and and all professional sports leagues shut down. There was a really important moment. I remember the, the, the conference call, the press conference that Gary Bettman had about return to play and what the bubble was going to be like, how they were going to do it, protocols to put in place. And one of the first things that he said was that he had been on the phone with player leaders around the sport. There had been direct conversation, commissioner to players, Mm -hmm. and there had been open dialogue. He said, I spoke with Connor McDavid, Mark Scheifele, some superstar players, where there had been a give and take personally directly between the commissioner's office and top players. And I think that to me spoke to a relationship that was at one point in time, fractious without question uh, leading up to the lockout in, in 12, 13, and certainly the one previous to that, that canceled a whole season. I mean, things were bad there, but they got better. And I I think that there's a certain adage. I think it comes to the realm of politics, but I think it applies here is that when you, when you have a crisis, you have to think of a, a way that you could turn it into a positive. Right. And the way that you could turn that into a positive for the NHL eight years ago was we have to find a way to have a better collaborative, open, comfortable, communicative relationship between the two parties. And, and I think that the way they came back and played in 2020 was evidence of that. They, they had certainly some delays in getting back to play last year. Certainly nothing, nothing has been totally smooth in the NHL. There have still been positive tests. Obviously, they've been dealing with a lot of different issues in the last several weeks, but at least the communication is there. And I, and I think that if, if at the end of this, if the other side of this looks like a really open and communicative relationship on both sides, and both sides, I think, have to meet each other halfway, that if that is where we are at in, 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 in June, July, and going forward, that we can look at special events, all-star game. And part of that conversation I'm referring to with the NHL was you see now the winter classic is so special. We just saw that play in, in Minneapolis. We see special events. They were going to go to the Olympics this year. If, if had it not been for, for Omicron and, and the case is happening right now, all of these special events that help to grow the game and that fans love so much are an outgrowth of a very strong relationship between MLB and the union. Right. And, and you both know if what it would mean if, if, we have con- continual games, whether it's a series in Australia, a series in Mexico, a series in the Dominican Republic, a series in Puerto Rico. You think about all the players you play with from around the world and what these series mean and how special they are for the fans and the players. We can do that, but to do that, we have to have a really strong relationship. And I, and I really hope and I believe that just from what I've observed in hockey, 
that kind of a relationship is is there. It's there to be claimed. We just have to really invest right. the time and work on it. Yeah. You yeah. think it can you say so you're hoping obviously you got to, this has all got to transpire in the next six weeks. I mean, I, I do believe even at the end of my career, I noticed players starting to sign later into the, you know, sort of getting closer to spring training, signing into spring training. So I feel like everything's sort of evolved over the last probably 15 years. You notice, you know, back, I'd say back in the day, I'd say 2000s or early 2000s, uh, you'd see everybody had signed, you know, once January rolled around, pretty much everyone knew where they were going. And it's evolved over the years. I, th I feel like the ownership's kind of maybe taken over a little bit there on that side of things. And they've gone back and forth. They've, they've, they've had their changes. You know, we've got, you know, the, uh, the bonus pool now, uh, international slots. I mean, there's so many different moving parts where there's been give and take over the years. But, um, I do believe that the players are getting better at preparing later in the year and easier for a veteran player, you know, knowing that you have a contract as it is for maybe some of these younger players who, you know, they, they don't know where they're going to be. So if spring training shortened, their window is shortened too now to make yeah. that team. They might only have four or five outings as opposed to nine sure. or 10. They need to be ready to go. So these other facilities they're going to be working out in, they're going to have to be, you know, on, on the go, ready to go. So it's, yeah. it's affecting different players at different levels, I believe. Um, something that I think that the players have adjusted to over the years and starting to realize. I remember Kyle Loesch, just for one, signed a real late contract. Almost, almost some teams are waiting to see if they get an injury early in April, and yeah. then these players are signing. So I don't think it's so much, you know, it's not so new to the players. I think uh, they've definitely adjusted to that, but it doesn't, it doesn't really pay for the player. It doesn't really help. Like you said, the, the players really want those facilities open. They want to know timeline when they're ready to go, and uh, you make great points there. So. Well, I appreciate it, Grant. I mean, I think there's a lot of, and I remember covering those those years uh, in your your free agencies when typically you would see players signing in December at at the latest. And I think a couple things have have happened that have really changed the way that teams look at it. Number one, a lot of executives, a lot of GMs, and for reasons that are obvious, they they sort of took a step back in the last decade and said, wait a minute how have we been doing things for a long time in this industry? So you have, you have a lot of executives that maybe didn't have a playing background, did not grow up in, in, and play in the minor leagues, play in the major leagues and have that progression in their careers. In fact, a very small number of GMs have had that experience. And so a lot of them took a step back and said, wait a minute, I am as someone who is not a player going to look at things and say, why do we do things this way? And when you have a critical mass of people who all do that, and they're all discerning a different path and saying, why do we spend money in December? When if we wait until January or February, if a player is, is increasingly anxious about signing and getting in to camp, if I can save a million dollars, I'll save a million dollars. And, yeah. and that's really how simple it is. And yeah. the reason why it's that way is first of all, it has worked. Second of all, um, there, there is not a corresponding reason to spend them to spend that dollar on December one versus January one. There isn't really a reason except for your fear that the player is going to go to the next team and sign there, which is why it's so interesting. We talk about hockey mm -hmm. NHL free agency for all practical purposes 
lasts like two days because there's a salary cap and a team says, here's the offer. And there's offers are made as soon as the market opens players have, they've had that quiet period where they're not talking about dollars, but they've had a chance to talk to the coach. They look at it and say, boom, boom, boom. There's a salary cap. There's a finite amount of money to go around. Here's your offer. Take it. You're done. The, 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 it's all over in 48 hours, if that. Yeah. And, and it's because there's effectively a deadline created by the cap. In baseball, we don't have that deadline. And so what I do think, Grant, that we could see happen is, is some of the proposals that MLB has put out there. You referenced the draft pick a little bit ago. The, the draft pick compensation, if it changes, if you have a lottery, if you separate direct draft pick compensation from signing free agents. Those are a couple changes that I believe would meaningfully change the way that teams pursue players. I can't tell you how many times you ask an executive, Hey, how about this player? They're like, Hey, we don't want to give up the pick. We don't want to give up the signing bonus allocation that goes along with the pick. We're too worried about the draft. Well, if you take away that linkage, then the whole free agent market is going to behave in a much clearer and and broader and more fluid way and the final point i'll make too and you you both have experienced this is teams have gotten very smart in terms of player development they they realize that that for all practical purposes that a dollar spent in the draft and in developing a player is almost always more cost effective than signing a, a a closer or a starting pitcher to a five or six year contract. It just, you're almost always going to get more out of your dollar when you spend it that way. And as a result, a lot of these teams have built out tremendously sophisticated and smart player development systems. And often the farm director says, wait, why are you going to sign this veteran pitcher to a two year, $12 million deal when I've got a guy who's maybe like 90% as good as him and he's going to make the minimum. And that conversation has happened now many, many, many times over. And it's largely because teams and the players themselves, to be honest, have gotten so good. They're so ready now, Grant and Ryan, to your point, uh, coming to the minor leagues. You guys see it all the time, how ready these kids are. It's amazing. And what it's done is it's just pushed some of the veterans out because your your replaceable player who's at AAA is that much better than he was 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree, but I disagree a little bit, JP, with, with some of those things. You talk about the player development. I still feel like overall, a lot of these teams, <clears throat> you see it all the time, and we've t- I've talked to you about this, where you know, 50% of baseball wave the white flag, say we're going into this quote-unquote rebuild for the next three to five years, mm-hmm. which I think is, is a massive problem in the game. I really do. I don't want to be a fan of you know Team X who's like, eh, you know, we're not going to win this year, so we're just going to publicly say – out, you know, out, we're going to plan for the next five years and we're going to essentially tank or just give up all our the, guy, the, the players you love to watch as a fan because we've got these guys in the minor leagues. I still feel like overall, I still feel like there is that black hole in development. There is those good teams that do it. I, 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 there really is those teams that do it. But overall, I still feel like when you have, and this is not coming from the fact that because I'm an ex-player or, you know, trying to be a salty veteran or any of that kind of thing, you still have to have, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned a point before the front offices, a lot of them have never played. So they try and outsmart the game just a little bit, you know, when it comes to player development. And I still feel like there's all this hocus pocus and in the minor leagues that I see, and I, I dive into and I ask around the different friends I've got now working with teams. 
And I'm like, man, I still feel like there is that when you look overall, you still have to pay for these dudes to be competitive. You really still do. And I think in 2019, I saw you at the winter meetings. I was shocked to see some of these huge deals go out in December because I, was, I thought the game was like you said, you know what, we'll take this kid down in AAA. Well, he's good. We're, we're good. Because that decision's coming from someone who doesn't quite understand those intangibles of veteran leadership, clubhouse chemistry. Um, what is that 35-year-old? What can that 35-year-old teach these even if it's going to cost you a little bit of a premium things like that i still feel like there is a little bit of that that disconnect for sure i i, I still do I, I do want to expand on that too right just as far as the player development if if we really do believe that player development is that strong and we and they are maybe pushing out the veteran players but what about the expansion we've talked about expansion in different cities why can't we expand get another two teams if we do have these veteran players we do have these we, if we do have this stronger core of players that we're saying they're not really triple a players they're not labeling them as four a players but they're ready for the big leagues they can come on and take that why don't we talk expansion as well then and, and broaden the game i think we will grant and and for a couple of reasons number one to your point there is enough talent to do it there's no question that we have enough talent in the world to to fill out two more major league rosters I think the commissioner wants to do it. The players want to do it. It's, it's two more teams worth of jobs. Uh, the commissioner is on record as saying 32 teams are easier to schedule than 30. I think what we'll see eventually is we go to a 32-team major league and, and maybe you go to dramatic geographic divisions where you've got Mets, Yankees, Phillies all in the same division. You've got yeah. Dodgers, Angels, Padres all in the same division, and you go universal DH, and you have tight eight eight divisions of four teams a piece and you yeah. add in whether it's Vegas, Nashville, Charlotte, Montreal, wherever it ends up being. But I think you can't do that until, until you see a stadium situation get resolved with both Tampa and Oakland. But once you do grant, I, I believe we will see that. And remember this too, when you, when you think about what the buy-in will be and what franchises sell for, you see billion dollar valuations on franchises. No, well, if the no. buy-in, if the buy-in is a billion dollars, and you divide that by the 30 existing teams yeah, times yeah. two, because it's going to be two teams. That's a lot of money that obviously helps these teams deal with the shortfall from COVID. So not only does it competitively make sense, but financially for the teams that, that missed a whole ton of revenue without having fans, that this will fill that hole tremendously yeah. well. And, and to your point, we have the talent to do it. Uh, I think they just have to wait and see what the stadium situation happens in, in Oakland and Tampa before that happens. But I do believe it's one of the many reasons why it's important to get a CBA here, because once you do that, you can start making progress down the line. I'll also add this grant and you guys have both played on great teams that where you understand this dynamic better than I do. No accident that when the nationals won the world series in 19, they had the oldest roster in baseball oldest. Mm -hmm. Okay. And who were the, who were the heroes in the playoffs? Kendrick Eaton Zimmerman. These guys had some stripes on their sleeves from playing a long time. Right. Yeah. And, and those kind of at-bats in October, think about Kendrick's at-bats. He came right. up in huge spots. And to, to me, he never looked nervous, okay? He had been there before. And you guys both know better than me that presence of the player who's in the dugout, who has been there in big spots before, you say, wow, he helps calm me down. He helps calm the whole yeah. team down. And that's yeah. exactly why the Nationals won the World Series. So while while I believe 
that teams have made this decision to get. I think like the Dodgers, for example, they can make a decision where, where they let Kike Hernandez sign somewhere else because they believe in the likes of Gavin Lux and Zach McKinstry mm -hmm. and their overall team is so good. They've got Mookie, they've got Chris Taylor, of course, up until, uh, you know, you became a free agent, obviously, but they have a lot of veterans that help nurture those young players. It, yeah. it, I don't ever endorse a wholesale, let's just go all young. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think for the right teams, the Dodgers have the right resources to make decisions like that. Yeah. For the sure. other thing is too, is, is we did, we did remove some leagues in the minor leagues. So there right. has been, there have been jobs taken away for the younger kids that are trying to get to the big leagues. So if you're a kid that's playing T-ball right now or whatever, the, the window has gotten a little smaller, I would have to say. Right. Um, you're right. So I think the expansion, I mean, I I'd love to see him get this, the Rays. I'd love to see the Rays stay here. I, I live down here in Tampa in Clearwater I, I, I'd love to see this get, I, I don't want to see him spend half the year in Montreal and half the year in Tampa. I, I could say as a player, uh, I would not want that. <laughs> I understand where they're going with it. They're trying to geographically, you know, get themselves up there, down here, bring people in and out. It can help. It can help out in many ways. It can be a good thing in many ways. I would just love to see a team in Montreal, their own team as an expansion team, keep the Rays here in their own city. Um, I just, I just find that just unsettling yeah. as the Rays fan to say, all of a sudden, okay, now we're a Montreal Rays or the, or the yeah, Tampa, what are we? You know, I just, I don't like it. I, I think it's hard on the players. Think about the families, kids that are maybe schooling. There's a lot of moving parts to that, um, let alone just the currency alone and all the protocols between two different countries at the moment too. So oh, yeah. it, it, just, it just brings a whole list of things. Oakland, I can't believe it. It seems like every team that I played for was always trying to build a new stadium. I was in Minnesota. They finally got it. <laughs> Oakland and Tampa, still talking about it. Uh, apparently, Oakland seems to be getting closer towards an opportunity to getting that new stadium. Uh, I would really love to see it because I think both cities, they could, I could see stadiums on the water uh, in great environments, and I think they're both great places to play, honestly. So. Well, I agree. And it's, it's a great point, Grant. I think, too, that you're seeing, too, that the amount of people and now we see it with the Rays. There are players who grow up that we're now seeing in the playoffs. I know Christian Arroyo is one example. Of course, he was playing for Boston against the Rays. But we, we now have players that when we interview them during the playoffs, they say, yeah, I grew up watching the Rays. They're my favorite team as a kid. And that, I think, is a pretty special thing to be able to say to see how, how the game is has grown. And a final point to make on uh, on the, the, the loss of some minor league teams, and you're right, Grant, it has a tremendous effect on, on the game overall, but I think it really prioritizes the teams that scout other leagues, the Mexican league, independent leagues in the U.S. Tyler Matzik, what an amazing story he is. The Braves do not win the World Series without Tyler Matzik, and he was pitching an independent ball just a couple of years ago. He's actually coming on the show in a couple of weeks, so I'm excited oh, to talk it. to him. Yeah. about the fact, you know, with the yips and, and, you know, the cops putting him in handcuffs, thinking he was a fan during the parade and everything else. But um, now you, you make a great point, man. I think the, the, this is going to sound bad. People listening are going to hate me for this because a lot of these minor league players are so upset with the, the, the reshuffle of the minor leagues. I think it makes total sense. I've got to be honest, man. Like I look at it and go, man, you really need six or seven leagues. I try and go back to Australia 
Um, uh, sorry, six or seven levels. So I go back to Australia and try and explain that to people. They're like, oh, you're with the, especially in my younger days, they're like, oh, you're with the Mariners. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm actually in this level. I've still got this level, this level, this level to get to the biggest. Yeah. I, I think it, honestly, I think it, it makes you know a little bit more sense. I think you're going to see more college players, everything else. And you do have these other leagues that these guys, man, like there's some good leagues out there where they can go scout at, like you mentioned. Yeah, the, the the level of independent baseball in in the U.S. I think has gotten stronger and stronger by the year. You've got some leagues that are a little more veteran, like the Atlantic League. Uh, there, there's obviously the, the Frontier League here in the middle uh, middle of the country. They're adding in different draft leagues as well. I I think that it it does make sense. It's important though to keep. I think one of the key things, that, and you both know this, is to is to keep people involved in the game as broadcasters, instructors. Uh, special assistance, or or they're going to be a really good minor league manager or coach to help teach the game to the next generation. Uh, Dayton Morris talked about this, and I think he's so thoughtful and really does a great job of just talking about the game. I think it's important that, that we have those ambassadors to really be those hubs and and links to the yeah. game at, at those younger levels in a smaller town where where I know just coming from a smaller town in Michigan, Clayton Kershaw pitched for a team in the next town, the, the Great Lakes Loons. And people still talk about him there. It's, it's yeah, my hometown. Yeah. 15 years later, hey, Clayton Kershaw pitched for our team. And, and I really think that that means a lot to people there. And it's just yeah, one yeah. example. But I think that that same example is told throughout the whole country where, where Mike Trout played an A-ball and Tatis yeah. played an A-ball. These places are very proud of, of their players. And I think it does create a lot of connection and connectivity to the sure, game. That's sure. it's super important to keep around. Yeah, that, that, that's Definitely. a good point. There's a lot more players too. Uh, we're noticing going playing internationally at the moment too. I've I've noticed that more than ever going over to Korea, Japan, and and resurrecting their careers and, and yeah. coming back to the states. So um, there's definitely a lot of avenues there that like the game, like you said, it's 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 becoming more international than than ever, uh, so to speak. You know, it's, it just shows how, how how much of a small world we live in. Um, you can go over and play in Korea one year and come back and sign a you know, for a couple of years and come back and sign a four-year deal and, and resurrect your, your career here in the States, you know? Um, That's a great point. And Ryan saw that with, with Flexen certainly this year. I mean, what obviously what, what a great impact he made on the Mariners. I mean, it, you're, you're right on, Grant. It, it happens. And I think the one thing certainly as, as you know, I follow soccer, I'm a, I'm a soccer fan too. And you, you see how in, in the soccer world, it is not uncommon at all player leaves this country goes to play in a different one then comes back and sort of skips around Europe it's it's a different idea different culture but I've often thought like if, if as long as the money's right obviously it it ends up being a, a really good opportunity for players hey yeah go to go to Japan for a year go to Korea for a year certainly you've, you've seen and heard from Adam Jones about his experiences I mean I think Adam loved his time in Japan and I think it's made a real impact on him where it's special not just for him but his whole family as well I think those kinds of things are are really cool if, if we sort of maybe get out of what our typical mindset is to have that experience, then come back. You're probably a, a better pitcher, more mature pitcher, better player. You just have a little different view of things. And, and, and once you've pitched in front of 55,000 fans at the Tokyo dome, maybe, a, you know, maybe a, a tight eighth inning jam in a, in an American league game doesn't seem quite as scary anymore, you know? Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, JP, we'll get a chance to, I'll never forget, man, the, the, the Premier 12, the Olympic qualifiers we covered, I had so much fun uh, doing that with you. Hey, listen, what, one more thing before we let you go. The free agents that are still just floating out there waiting for this, this lockout to finish. How's that going to look? The minute, is it going to be a situation, in your opinion, do you kind of predict that 
the minute this thing's over, is it going to be drawn out or they're going to be, hey, quick, I just want to sign with the team? Is it going to be this crazy frenzy kind of like we saw leading into the lockout? It's a great question, Ryan. And I think that it depends on how the, the reopening goes. Uh, so, exa- for example, if, if, the, if they reach an agreement on a Sunday night, do they say free agency opens back up immediately or after 48 hours to sort of just get everything organized again? Uh, where you're at with the schedule probably matters a bit. I do think you, you look back and, and Manny Machado, of course, he signed after spring training started. Bryce Harper, I think they were already playing games by the time he signed with the Phillies. So yeah. for these high-end guys, Correa, Freeman, to me, story obviously as well, it doesn't necessarily come as a huge shock if, if you're signing a little bit later. I think, again, the players that you're concerned about are the, are the middle tier, uh, the sort of that, that, that middle class of player who's, who's gonna, who wants to sign up a, a one-year, $6 million deal, a two-year, $12 million deal, whatever it might be. You know, how many teams are going to quickly make that their first item of business as opposed to, hey, I still think I'm in the mix for Carlos Correa. I got to wait on everything else before I make this decision. I think that that's going to be the key question there. It's I, I do think, Ryan, for some teams and players, we could see it happen quickly. But I also think now, especially if it's a pitcher, and this is why I, I think that maybe, to, you know, to Grant's point earlier, and Ryan, you said this as well, there's a bit more urgency to get this thing done in, in January because – you almost want everybody to have, especially from the pitching perspective, a little bit more runway to make sure they're not rushed. The last thing you want to do is it's been such a disjointed yeah. offseason. Mm-hmm. You sign a pitcher to a major contract on February 10th, but maybe he hasn't had his fully normal routine. He comes into camp, wants to impress everybody. A week later, strained oblique. And then all of a sudden, the whole start of the season is screwed up. That, that I think, is a real concern. And, and I don't know if teams might be more cautious as a result of it. It's just, it's a really interesting question, right? I think it probably depends on the player, but guys like Correa, uh, I think his marketplace guy, a guy like Freddie Freeman, we probably know which teams are, are still most serious about them. So maybe they've had a lot of time to really work through what they're comfortable doing. But I, I do think it's going to be a really interesting time. It probably, it probably won't have that same amount of like joy and celebration that we saw at the end of November. Oh my gosh. Every hour it's in, there's another huge deal being signed. I loved signed. it. I thought, I yeah, it was great. great. I, I bring those days back. I'd love to see it again. Like the, like the hockey said, Hey, that just, like, yeah. days and just craziness. I loved it. It was great. I still can't believe Freddie Freeman's a free agent. That, that's just bizarre. Yeah, me too. But, uh, anyway. Yeah. All right. Great. Anything else before we let John go? Well, uh, uh, I suppose to end that, I suppose let, let's get your prediction on Freddie Freeman and maybe we can finish up with that. Yeah, where, sure. yeah where's he going, JP? Where, where, where's he off to, man? So I, I, I still think that there is a better than 50-50 chance that he goes back to the Braves because even if his agent calls up and says, hey, here's what we got from the Yankees, push comes to shove, you just won the World Series. Yeah. Let's Let's take that extra step and bring him back. Uh, I, I believe that would be the conversation. I really doubt knowing Freddie and, and we all know Freddie, what a great person he is. I don't think he's in a situation where he has cut off communication with the Braves and I'm, you know, I'm leaving. I, I think that he's going to do the best thing for himself and his family, which I'm sure is just trying to give this every last opportunity to work. Uh, but the team that I mentioned, the Yankees, I, I think they're, they're in. And you look at that team. I, I was at the way that team was balanced or, or I should say the imbalance of the Yankees this season, they had, I think the fewest number of home runs hit 
by left-handed batters of any team in the AL. I have to go back and double check that, but I think they were, if not at the bottom, they're like second from the bottom, which is just, this is a team of Ruth and Lou Gehrig and Reggie Jackson. What's going on here? So there's, they had no lefty power. And so whether it's, Freeman, whether it's Matt Olson, who I think would be a great fit, and certainly Grant, you, you know that the A's well and, and what Matt can do. I, I I think that whether it's Freeman or Olson, the Yankees find a way to get a significant lefty bat to play at first base. Yeah, yeah, interesting. No, I totally agree with you. I mean, they, they that's that's kind of been the pinnacle of of the you know they've had Giambi, they've had Teixeira, they've had so many big names standing at first base. They're left-handed hitters hitting home runs, like you said, the greats for so many years. Uh, and that stadium is built for a left-handed hitter. Um, you know, I just remember when Johnny Jamin, uh, Johnny Damon switched from a, you know, from a Red Sox to a Yankee and he'd get, go ahead and put those things up in the third deck, you know, um, right. it's, it's definitely built that stadium for, for the lefty. So I could definitely see him going out. And if it's not Freeman, Hopefully, you know, for all the Atlanta fans, he, he does stay at home there. It'd be a but, blank check. Um, it should just there, be there, whatever you want. There'll be a big do. bat in uh, New York either way, I believe. <laughs> awesome. Well, John, hey, I appreciate your time, man. I, it's so good um, talking to you. And, and yeah, the, the, the one, I, I, like I said, the, for the last month or so during this whole lockout, people come up to me on this, hey, what's going on with this lockout f- f- fringe baseball fans that they cannot afford to lose? You know, they really can't. Right. right? And especially in Seattle, as you know, and I've been saying it for a lot of years. It's an exciting time in Seattle right now. It's exactly this team is is really close to being an excellent perennial postseason team. So I think you're exactly right in Seattle. Just the the way that, and and you can speak to what that ballpark was like in September. Dave Sims, those great calls, man. I I, I wanted I I wanted to be there and see all those fans so engaged. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. All star game coming up as well. Beautiful city. And I know a, a long history, as both of you know, Grant and Ryan, of great Aussies playing for the Seattle Mariners, including Ryan Roland Smith. So I, mean, I think there's that, that's going to be a, a that, one yes. of the more popular teams, I think, in, in Australia right now. Yeah, they had they had that little glimmer of that end of September. It was it was awesome. Like, oh man, this is what this is what it's supposed to be like. Grant's Grant's experienced that. I have not. I've never I've never I've never played in the playoffs. I was like, oh, this is amazing. So, uh, JP, I appreciate your time and. Uh, Hope to hope to have you on at some point once this all gets sorted out with this lockout. This, is, this has been fun. Well, Ryan and Grant, it was my pleasure. You guys do a great job on the show. I always love talking ball with you both, whether it's baseball, the Perth Wildcats, either yeah. one. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm always excited about it. And, and happy new year to your families and all, all the best here in 2022. Yeah, big Thanks, shout out to Perth Thanks, and, and Danny Mills, by the way. And, and, and yes. Uh, Perth. <laughs> 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 well, we're going to have to have Danny on like a big roundtable yes. conversation here. Basketball, baseball, blend it all together. I, Tourism. I we can yeah, do well, exactly. And I now and, and I need you guys to teach me a bit more about Australian rules football, yeah. rugby. My my knowledge there is short, so I need you guys to help build oh, me up there. Okay, one hundred percent. The season starts uh, middle of March. All right, coming up. Middle of March, uh, they they're coming up. That's coming nice. up. Well, I'm going to coming up. I will take all recommendations from our listeners, from you guys, as to who my favorite team should be. I'll adopt one, and then we'll we'll go from there. Newcastle Knights. That's all I got to say. Newcastle. Newcastle. All right. Very good. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. Thank you. All the best. Happy New Year. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. Thanks so much. You as well. Take care. Man, it was interesting just hearing all that stuff, you know, from JP, just with the lockout, man. It's it's just that I I still go back to this and we, we, we talked through a lot of different things, but I still go back to this. Everyone was acting so casual about this lockout. I just see if if this moves into 
into February, it's going to somehow, one way or another, either affect players, free agency, or the season. I, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to affect it's going to affect someone, um, whether it be at the top, the bottom, somewhere in between. It's definitely going to affect people. I think I think even the fact that uh, it's been pushed out now is still going to have an effect on someone. Um, even if they do come to an agreement by the start of February in a month's time, I think that's already starting to affect people. Um, it gives them what two weeks till they start spring training. You know, it's yeah, it, it becomes a mad rush of signing. You've got the, that that one guy too at the top, depending on the team. You know, that's always going to hold back the the middle the middle tier, the lower tier of signings. Um, no matter what it is, that yeah. one team's looking to spend two hundred million on close to 300 million on Korea, they're not going to go out and sign this guy and that guy. If, if that's the guy they want and they're dead set on that guy, they're going to do everything they can to get him. And then they know if they don't get him, all right, we've got all this money left to spend. It changes the whole dynamics of their yeah. whole off season. So it, I think it's already going to affect uh, players in a way. Um, it's, you know, like you said, the, the, the big guys, they're still going to get their money. I think it's like, uh, like JP said, that the middle the middle tier are always the ones, and then the lower guys are going to be the ones that are affected more sure. so. The middle tier, I think, yeah, typically yeah. take the brunt of it. Yeah, um, the, the, the the little guys, you know, just like yeah. just like, and I want to transition into this. <laughs> On that note, well, I want to transition into the Aussie segment. That's grouse. Let's talk about the little guys for a second. The Winter yeah. Olympics is coming up, right? Yeah. The Australia. <laughs> Always oh, got we we Australia has a tough at the Summer Olympics Australia kills the Winter yeah. Olympics. Yeah, it's a different, different story. story. <laughs> right. yeah. We we get it. a cup we get a couple of drops of snow down in Australia a year down to yeah. Paris just Megan's there and you know they they do get there they do have we do have our mountains we have a couple of spots down there in the snowy but um, just the amount of athletes that we do take over to the Winter Olympics is, is I don't even know how many we take mate have we take a handful with us or what. Yeah, so I'm looking up right now, and I want to talk about a couple, uh, yeah, some, you know, Olympic glory here from Australia at the Winter Olympics. But uh, I, just, I want to, I want to look into first of all, the medal count. Um, so they have, they have actually gotten a lot better because, like I said, man, I remember growing up going, "Oh, that dude's Australian. Oh, look at him, yeah, yeah in the back of the back of the pack somewhere on a set of skis, just cruising, you know." And you're like, "Oh, man, you know, you got all these Europeans yeah. and whatever." But the, the 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 best. I'm I'm just trying to look at the uh, the medal count here uh, as I look this up. Hold on. So we did have in 2018, we had a where's oh Tora Bright. Remember half pipe snowboarding killed it. Yeah, uh, I, I remember. I remember one of the uh, the downhills too. There was a girl doing the uh, moguls. The moguls. I think it was a mogul or. And then at the end, you know, they do that somersault. I think she even might have won a, a silver or something. Right. But I'm just, uh, I'm just guessing, but I do remember some. You had, you had, you did have, I'm just some success at, there for sure. So in, in 2018, no golds, two silvers, one bronze. Okay. Well, that's probably where one of them came from. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you think about that. We do that, you know, when half a day in the pool, we do that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, you talk yeah. about the winner, but give give them the give them the story, mate, about the the gold medal. The the all, I mean, that thing's got to be. We're talking. I don't, know where, I don't even know that winter gold medal that Australia won. 
Um, it's been it's been a while ago now. What year was that? That and- was two thousand. That was two thousand two. Salt Lake City. Stephen Bradbury. Now, if you're Australian, you probably go, oh, yeah, I remember this bloke. Well, sure enough, he's 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 skating in the he's a speed skater in the short track speed skating. Now, yeah. first of all, I just want to preface with this: if you're at that level, I'm not sitting here thinking this bloke just threw on a pair of rollerblades as a kid. Then he said, oh, "I'll try the ice skates and jump in the Olympics." You still have to be an elite athlete, all right? So I just want to make 100%. sure that. Well, <laughs> this guy is. <coughs> and to make the final too, obviously, to make the final. Well, how he got to the final though, remember? So short track speed skating, there's a bit of bumping going on. It's not like where you're in the lanes or anything, anything like that. And a lot can happen. Guys slip on the ice, <clears> boom, <throat> other guys sneak in. That's how he got to the final. He there was a pile-up, boom, he got to the final. It's like, oh yeah, sweet. I'm, I'm now I'm in the final. Great. He yep. gets to the final. Dudes are way out in front of him, and it's a short track. Like it's a small track. Guys are way like they're about to lap him, right? I think it should yeah. be a situation if you do get lapped in those short tracks, you need to beat it. Well, he's way behind. Sure enough, one dude skate hits the other guy skate, and you can go YouTube this. It's all over the place. Zap the whole. He takes out all the dudes, and the one guy who's way behind because of speed, <laughs> speed issue, is old. Is old uh, Bradbury. He just comes cruising around. <laughs> just he's on his feet. Hands right. go up in the air. Olympic glory, mate. Won the gold because everyone else tripped over twice, yeah. man. A pile up in the in the, in the unbelievable. <laughs> mate, that, that's that's a dream. That's a dream come true when he's coming around the corner to see no one in front of him. They've all crashed into the wall, and there he is taking the gold. I, I do like this. People compare him to Eddie the Eagle. Remember the ski jumper, Eddie the Eagle? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Eddie the uh, Eagle. Again, listen, man. I, what I loved about the whole thing was the fact that he went over the line. He didn't, like, do the whole – and I, I know I sound like a douche when I say this. He didn't turn around and make sure everyone's okay. No, he was arms no. up in the air. Like, I just want to bring oh, gold, like, mate. He oh, just yeah. took it off. And the thing was, too, like, when you watch him do, like, the, the press conference and stuff, because he was a big deal, right? He went viral. He was just like, yeah, you know, like he was just really embracing it. He wasn't like all offended if people were like, oh, you didn't deserve that medal or anything like that. He just yeah. took it on. It was awesome. That's awesome, mate. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, mate, what a story. But um, like you said, great athlete, obviously, to get to that level. And um, hey, it's all part of the game. So uh, that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes, mate. I'd love to have him on this podcast, actually. I want to I know if he was into the rollerblade when he was a kid or something or, yeah, where he grew up. Uh, how he he got definitely wasn't it. definitely wasn't skiing on ponds uh, like JP and his kids because no there's none of that. <laughs> no <laughs> chance, absolutely not. And then and then Tora Bright, man, I remember Tora Bright. She was a big time snowboarder. But I can't wait, man. I do I do love watching some Olympics. We need to dive into our Olympic experience too, playing baseball. But uh, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to watching it. Hopefully, hopefully there's some good stuff like old Bradbury, where you know everyone falls over and boom, straight in. I love it so. Uh, good times all right grant i'm gonna have to let you go mate this has been a fun back into it i do want to say we have some amazing guests coming up we have chris woodward the manager of the texas rangers coming on next week and then we have tyler matstick you heard um jp talking about him what a story man getting a world series ring after having the yips after pitching the indie ball i can't wait to hear that i can't wait to talk to him it's gonna be fun oh yeah mate. that's uh he, he was a stud he, oh, yeah. he, you know, I, I believe he should have been the MVP of the Atlanta Braves, but um, yeah. I might be being biased as being a, a late inning reliever, but hey, he, he's awesome. 
And there was a video too where the cops handcuffed him thinking he was a fan. I can't wait. I'm going to have to ask him about that as well. But a lot coming up, man. We're having a big year. Some big announcements coming up here in the next month or so that I can't wait to share with everyone. But Grant, it's, it's good to reconnect, man. We had a week off last week um, uh, over Chrissy and over New Year's. So good to reconnect with you, my man. Yeah, mate. Good to see you. And uh, uh, hopefully 2022 will be good to you and, and, and me and the top step, mate. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, looking, forward, looking forward to 2022. For sure. Awesome, mate. I'll, I'll, right, I'll leave you to it. All right. See you, mate. See you, mate. Hey, guys. Before you take off, I hope you enjoyed that episode. We've got a massive year coming up, 2022. I can't wait. Make sure you subscribe. We've got Chris Woodward next week. We've got Tyler Mastic the week after that. It's going to be a great year for the podcast. We'll see you next week right here on the podcast. You'll never say that I'm not killing them. Kill, kill, killing them. Killing them. Kill, kill, killing them.